Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Full of Energy, an AE podcast where we talk about workforce development, energy hot topics, and energy policy. The Association of Energy Engineers, otherwise known as AEE, is a professional organization of over 17,000 members, 32,000 actively certified individuals in over 105 countries. AEE serves your needs for career development, networking, and recognition. Today, we are celebrating the closure of COP28, the conference of parties that happened in Dubai. We're joined by AEE staff members, Bill Kent, who is our executive director, Cheyenne Kimbrell, who is our director of chapters and membership, Samar Altakridi, who is a director of international projects, Hisham Lamidi, who is our VP from Western Europe, Javier Severa, who is from Spain, and Fatou Albergam, who is our past president and from Kuwait. So I'd like to ask you guys a few questions, starting with when you first walked into an event, what was your first impression? Bill, you want to start us off? Sure. Thanks, Laurie Beth. It's great to be here for the uh, Full of Energy podcast today. I think my first impression was just, wow, it's such a large event. It was held at the Expo City in Dubai. I think there was 100,000 people there. <laughs> And just a feeling that we were with a group of people from all around the world with common goals, whether they were inside negotiating, whether they were speaking on panels, or whether they were protesting. I think everyone was there to have and promote, you know, a clean energy future for us and for future generations. Javier, do you have anything to add? Yes. Uh, hello. For me, it's the, the third time that I'm uh, in the conference. I was in Glasgow, in Egypt, and this is the third. And my first impression was that this event has been well organized from the beginning. I mean, uh, Emirates is an important country. They have taken very seriously the, the conference. The place was great, and they have done already the expo there in 2020. And my impression was really well organized with all the meetings from two, three weeks in advance, et cetera. I mean, really, really great difference uh, between uh, the last two that I have been and this one. Hisham? Uh, thank you. Upon entering COP28, the overwhelming sense of global collaboration and urgency to address climate change was palpable. The atmosphere was charged with a shared commitment to finding sustainable solutions and fostering a mindful dialogue. Samar? Um, to be honest, when you walk in, into the venue, you really feel that you have walked in, into a venue where everyone wants to put climate into a real action, whether the way things are set up or whether the meetings are being organized, um, the amount of, of loads of panels and people and the level of important people and the people of actual decision making who attended the COP shows the importance of our future and the future of the children. Um, to be honest, it was felt from the first time you hit the ground at COP um, to the last uh, day of light when you leave. And one of the most important things that we saw is like everyone was involved from young generation to the uh, different professionals around the globe, they are all there to make one commitment to change and to make sure that climate change is a real action. So obviously there are a bunch of sessions that you can attend at COP, probably too many to count. And um, I'm curious, 
What was your favorite session that you attended, Javier? From my side, because my professional uh, job is in the maritime, and apart from the president of the AIN Spain, Spanish chapter, I'm the president of the Alliance for the Maritime Decarbonization in Spain. Uh, there was a really important meeting about maritime with all the stakeholders there, the International Maritime Organization, the biggest uh, shipping companies around the world, uh, the ministries from Emirates, from Spain, etc. I mean, it has been the first COP where the maritime, like a sector that emits the 3% of the greenhouse uh, emissions, has been represented in full day uh, meeting to treat uh, how is the way to reduce being neutral in 2050. For me, because of my job, a full day of this meeting about the maritime that is really strong and hard uh, transport to decarbonize uh, has been the, the most important but because it's my job. But too, do you have a session that you enjoyed the most? Yeah, actually, there were a lot of interesting sessions, but the one that I really liked was the a session that I actually, it was a panel that I've chaired and it was on energy efficiency because that speaks our language. I mean, we've been waiting for a moment like that. So that panel actually uh, was focused on the role of energy efficiency in achieving net zero. And it was organized by a group that's called the Advancing Net Zero Volunteering Group. So we had ANZ and it was, we had representatives from ANZ, we had Bill representing AEE and we had a representative from a local company. We discussed uh, many issues and matters related to the professional de development, uh, retrofitting of projects and what's happening in the Gulf region. And also what are the regulations, incentives, what are the challenges and opportunities to achieve energy efficiency and accelerate decarbonization. And um, also including, uh, we looked and we discussed different sectors, including industrial sector, but also there was the focus on the professional development, which Bill contributed to. And it was highlighted how important it is to develop or to invest in capacity development uh, in order to achieve the decarbonization for in the near future. Diane? So my favorite session that I attended was in the Portugal Pavilion, and it was on green jobs and why they matter for a sustainable economy. The specific day that the panel was presented on was Youth Day, and we got to hear insights from Bill Kent as a seasoned professional and then other young per <laughs> young professionals on how organizations need to adapt to meet the needs of the incoming workforce. I thought it was a really positive session because in addition to learning about the needs of the incoming workforce, um, including continued education, professional development, and strong organizational values, it affirmed that AEE is on the right path. It's especially pertinent for our internal staff where there's uh, substantial growth among young professionals and for our members where there is an opportunity to attract more young talent in the industry. Bill? Um, thanks for that, Cheyenne. It was a great panel in, on Youth Day in the Portugal Pavilion. You know, I think a couple of things that, that uh, I remember and resonated with me, certainly lots of good panels, both very large, small, you know, roundtables. 
I mean, one thing is the, the net zero that Fatou mentioned, where we had a panel on the Greece Pavilion, and we were talking about, you know, the need for expanded workforce and capacity building, and you know, just asking a question, you know, who holds a, a current certification, a credential, who holds a certified energy manager, and obviously some of the in the audience raise their hands, but the entire panel. Everyone on the panel was a CEM, a certified energy manager. Now that is significant. To go to Dubai and be on a panel in the Greece Pavilion and everyone was a certified energy manager. That was, I think, a special moment for me. You know, another thing was I really enjoyed <clears throat> um, a panel session in the Central Asia Pavilion. You know, um, Farouk from Tajikistan was there and just, just hearing all of the work that's being done in that region and the programs and the progress, it was, you know, it was very motivating and very inspirational. And I really enjoyed um, that session also. Hisham? Yeah, thank you. My favorite session was undoubtedly the one that um, uh, was hosted by European Commission, uh, delved into innovative uh, technological advancement in renewable energy, especially on green hydrogen the discussions around brave thoughts in clean energy sources and their potential to reshape our future let, left me inspired and uh, hopeful. I had also the privilege of exploring and participating in several uh, special events, including, including a panel discussions. One of them was hosted by uh, Azerbaijan, who's a gas country, but focusing currently on improving uh, the energy efficiency pathway. Um, these events as a whole provided valuable insight into the diverse perspectives and approach needed to address the complex challenges posed by climate change. Tamar? Um, to be honest, there were two actually uh, sessions that were uh, of a great interest to me. Um, in this COP, uh, there were two additional uh, plenary sessions that were actually added, one to talk about the uh, gender and women empowerment in the energy sector and energy jobs, um, and that was uh, hosted by um, Hillary Clinton as a moderator which is, shows the significance and um, the importance of, of gender equality into um, uh, the energy sector. And the other session was um, about health. So this was the first COP that addressed health as part of the climate change um, uh, important aspect and sector that we need to focus on. Because when you talk about climate, climate is not something that is separated from the rest of the world or the human being. We are part of this ecosystem and the result of what happens in this ecosystem and, and our climate results in our health. So without um, just like dealing with the consequences of energy and efficiency and depletion of resources, we also need to look into taking the advancement and the care about how health needs to be treated during this uh, transition through the climate change. Well, I think it's safe to say that COP really touched every part of what we can do to change um, and make sure that we meet our climate goal. And I love that each of you uh, learned something different from different parts of both countries and subjects. So that's really incredible. And I know you mentioned some of the special events that 
um, a got to be a part of, but we didn't mention all of them. So Bill, do you want to tell us a little bit more about how many panels you spoke on and, and some of the subjects that you spoke on? Sure. I think um, we were fortunate to be able to participate in a number of events, panels. Um, you know, I think the week started for me was participating in a roundtable with Mission Efficiency Group, where we're, uh, um, you know, signed a common call to action to accelerate and double the rate of energy efficiency, which is one of the, the goals of, uh, of COP this year. And, um, you know, to talk about really what that means, commitment, and how we can all um, do our part to achieve that. So uh, the Mission Efficiency Roundtable was excellent. Certainly uh, panels in, in Greece, panels in the Portugal Pavilion, and then also a panel on you know, energy efficiency and how it can help achieve our decarbonization targets. And that was a, um, you know, I think a very good panel that was you know, presented by you know, the Business Council for Sustainable Energy and the UNFCCC. It was live streamed. And that was, you know, I think a lot of diverse opinions there. But, you know, one takeaway for me is that, you know, energy efficiency, and not only is it, as it has for decades, have a good financial payback, but all building on what Samar said, all the other benefits of, of energy efficiency, you know, economic development drives job growth, um, you know, um, and then the health benefits, you know, better productivity, better learning for students, and um, just all of the associated the things that come along with energy efficiency and, uh, you know, the climate impact in action with that, um, you know, to, to hear that just throughout, especially the panel on decarbonization and energy efficiency was, was um, you know, one of the special events for me. I would also say, uh, I think a special event was the AEE reception, where AEE hosted a reception and brought together, you know, um, friends from the AEE family and our global family. And uh, I think we probably had, you know, 10 or 12 countries represented from around the world to come together and to spend time, get to know one another. Um, and, you know, uh, even new people who want to get involved with AEE and start a chapter and build capacity in their countries. I think we had two or three countries who participated in our reception who, you know, now want to become part of the family and build that capacity. So those were just some of the highlights and events for, for me. The two? So I participated in five panels. Uh, I spoke in three and chaired uh, two. I was like the moderator of two. Uh, the subjects that were covered in these panels were different, like diverse. Uh, it included energy efficiency, uh, smart cities, renewable energy, uh, hydrogen, and green finance. Um, so the panels that I spoke uh, in, on actually was one that was organized by CAPSARC, which is King Abdullah Petroleum Studies and Research Center. Another one, which was by UNDP, which was on green finance and energy efficiency in the region. And the one that I talked about earlier, which is with the Advanced Net Zero uh, Volunteering Group. And also I spoke at uh, the uh, on Kuwait and what's going on in terms of uh, projects in the region on the Gulf Cooperation Council countries um, panel. So the they they were diverse and it was interesting and as I said uh, all of them were actually um, even though talking about different subjects they've all mentioned the importance of capacity development uh, in relation to energy efficiency. Javier, 
from my side, uh, I participated uh, in a couple in the Spanish pavilion, uh, talking about the decarbonization in the transport, the different options according the different transport uh, segments. Uh, road transport, my time, aviation, etc. like an export. And the second was my participation in the COP28 ministerial meeting about to support the new clean energy marine hubs around the world. This is a very important platform that has been established now on the COP because of shipping is not consuming fuel. Shipping is moving more than 30% of the fuel around the world for any sector. So these uh, energy marine hubs that are changing completely from the fossil fuels to the future, fuels like the ammonia, the methanol, hydrogen, etc., is really important platform to change completely the, the method that now we are moving energy around the world using the shipping. So we talked about um, some of the sessions that you thought were impactful. We talked about how AE was impactful, but what, if you had to name just one thing, what was the most impactful message that you heard throughout the weeks that you were there? Cheyenne? So I heard a stat and uh, it said that about 70% of adults uh, have some sort of anxiety towards climate change uh, when they hear anyone talking about it. And something that Bill said during one of his panels kind of tied that together for me. He said that, you know, we all need to do our part and it's as simple as making sure that we're using LED bulbs, using programmable thermostats, transitioning to driving EVs. And it really kind of brought that message together that, you know, as someone who's not from a technical background, I can still do my part to understand climate change and affect change in my community. And um, I think that was probably the most impactful thing that I heard and that I'll take with me and share um, with my family and friends. The two? So in the uh, Portugal pavilion, they had uh, several posters, um, had different messages, and most of them had the title saying, is it enough? So there were multiple, is it enough posters um, um, hanging there. But the one that I liked, it said, uh, being carbon neutral, is it enough? And I will recite what was written on it. And it says, no, we are in the race against time and we need to start combining technologies, initiatives and efforts so the world can move as one in the direction of real carbon neutrality. So let's do more than enough. Let's work together to make the world a better place. Samar? To be honest, um... The first impactful uh, message that I actually like find myself really attracted to was the message that was uh, derived from the first session uh, by the president of COP. So that it was not only recognizing the need to act, but also recognizing that we have countries that are left behind because they don't have the capacity to move along with others. And the decision was taken to create a special fund for these countries, almost $300 million just to help countries who are falling behind the timeline and not able to meet their KPIs and targets for COP and the climate change action, that was honestly the most impactful message I found myself attracted to because recognizing the need to put um, not only your 
words into uh, different memorandums and uh, documents, but also that there's a need to be addressed by developing countries to people who are running countries are just simply unable to meet their targets because they don't have the funds. So in this COP, putting that fund meant that this will be ending the, um, let's say, uh, the falling behind the race to climate change, because we need to make sure that we are all moving towards the future and nobody falls behind and nobody is left behind. Bill? Sure, I think um, <clears throat> a couple of points. I think first is um, the focus that we heard on energy efficiency. Certainly the past two COPs, it's been mentioned just on a minimal level, but really energy efficiency was front and center on stage throughout this COP. And that resonated with me so much that it's a key part of the solution as we transition forward with our energy and, and not only from a financial, but all the other benefits that, that we see from energy efficiency. That was certainly, um, you know, had a huge impact on me. I also was fortunate to participate in a, a roundtable on the just energy transition, really to address those who were disproportionately affected by either high energy prices or by usually the ones who were the last to be able to take advantage of new technology and products. <clears throat> How do we include those people as we transition forward so that A, they participate they're able to take advantage of clean energy, of products, technology, but also participate, you know, in, in an ever-expanding workforce. So I think, you know, some, some experts from around the world will talk about how we address a just transition as we transition so that, you know, no one is left behind. That was something that, you know, had an impact on, on me. Hisham? Um, my biggest takeaway from attending uh, the COP28 was the re realization that a meaningful change requires a collective actions. And I think in, uh, in our association, Association of Energy Engineers, we are well placed um, for, for this, um, this uh, subject because we think that our, uh, the collective actions uh, can, um, can help to, to go fast and far. Witnessing representatives from various, uh, various countries, organizations, and community come together to share ideas and commit to tangible action reinforced the notion that our collective efforts are crucial in the fight against climate change. The urgency of the situation was undeniable, but so, uh, so was the determination to create a more sustainable and resilient future. So by the end, a collective actions can help the world. Javier, anything to add? Yes, uh, very, very short. For me, the most important message has been we out, we are out of time. And I think that this pressure has been out of time to arrive and to maintain 1.5 degrees, uh, like the Paris Agreement is telling us. So it's this pressure, it has been the ones that has pressure to obtain the final document, nice for the conference, not in the last minute, the day after the last minute. So I think this message, out of time, we are out of time, has been the most impressive for me. 
So we are lucky to have such a diverse group of members um, at AEE, and luckily we have some of our members here today that can talk to some of the challenges in your countries that you think AEE members can tackle since we're all on different timelines. Um, Hisham, do you want to start us off? So uh, I think our country, but also our my region, say, um, the Western Europe is involved on um, involved in construction of zero energy building, focusing on refurbishment of buildings, focusing on uh, improving uh, movement of um, renewable energy will help. I would say the world that um, by the end to get to reach uh, the objective. So. For me, the COP28 is like a mirror of what we are carrying out currently in Europe. It was great to exchange with different people and to get the feedback in order to enhance our job uh, here in Europe. So um, the cha our chapters in France, but also in different countries and Western Europe will uh, are already involved in, uh, I would say, on the pathway to improve the energy efficiency. And the results of the COP28 will help us to go fast and far. Javier? To add that just has been said, uh, we are, Spain is in Europe too, and Europe has the objectives already even a bit bigger than the agreement said. The agreement said reduction of 43% of the emissions in 2030, and Europe is going 55. 55 because of the renewables and energy efficiency. So in the last plenary, the representative of Europe in that moment, that is the Ministry, Teresa Rivera, said that we are here, Europe, and we can help with all the methods, regulations, and the laws that we are putting on the stage here in Europe to obtain these levels. So for me, uh, like we are in Europe and from three years ago, we are working hard in the rules that apply already the companies, the citizens, etc. It's like we are an example to try to help other regions in the world. Bill? Sure, just building on what Hisham and Javier said, I think there's a number of things that our members can do you know, in their country, in their region, and around the world. I think first is, you know, helping to educate the younger generation about the opportunities in our industry and to be an energy engineer, to be involved in sustainability and the impact that we can have. So I think helping promote, um, you know, the workforce development and getting the younger generation involved, mentoring um, you know, um, young professionals in our industry also. I think another thing that, that we can do as we build capacity is, is influence policy with those who are in governments who are, who are making and setting policy because we need a, a smooth transition. We certainly need energy efficiency. That's one of the key, you know, building blocks of, of a, this energy transition. We need renewables, but we need a smooth transition so that we have reliable and resilience as we move forward. So I think in addition to helping develop the workforce, you know, promoting it, mentoring is, is helping work with both those who are setting policy and those who are funding, you know, um, projects and programs for clean energy transition so that we do have reliable and resiliency as we move forward so that we don't just set goals 
have an oversupply of renewables, for example, who are inherently an, an intermittent resource. We need storage. We need a transition. So I think those are some things that, that our members can do, and they're uniquely qualified as you know, energy experts around the world to provide input and participate in these very important and key discussions. The two. Um, I believe there are several things that are lacking in the region, and um, I would like to highlight the Middle East region. <clears throat> it's basically having uh, laws that are targeting energy efficiency in which we set targets and KPIs, and we can follow the implementation of the different strategies and measure the achievements of our KPIs. Uh, also, um, um, the importance of certifying professionals within the region. And if that can be included in on national uh, laws uh, in order to make sure that everyone who is practicing, like let's say uh, energy efficiency measures are well aware of the technologies advancements and uh, what's going on around the world. And especially because um, during COP, uh, they were mentioning the greenwashing, which is when companies, they claim that they are being um, on track in terms of their uh, emissions or net, uh, uh, trying to achieve net zero, but in reality, they're not doing that. But if these professionals are working within these companies are very well educated and they're up to date with their professional qualifications, we can avoid uh, such uh, practices. Samar. Um, so I attended this session by Irina and one of the things that were, um, uh, our members definitely can help attend and um, uh, look at is actually the uh, translation between we want efficiency today and we want the use of uh, renewable um, uh, energy sources today um, and what whether these are actually the right things for your country. Because if you have, let's say, um, if you can tap into renewable um, uh, energy, maybe geothermal is not the right answer for you. Maybe uh, solar is the right answer for you. Maybe uh, hydrogen is. So um, our um, energy professionals and our members are well um, educated and they understand uh, the energy efficiency and they understand the different practices around the world and they can help translate that into their countries because what works for Spain doesn't work for France and what works for France definitely won't work for uh, the UAE where I lived for 30 years. So all of these different things being a professional inside a country, you can help understand what your country KPI is, and you can help your uh, your country build on these KPIs into the right path and direction. And I think we have good amount of members that are influentials and in, in good um, uh, levels. And in the same time, they are near to the implementation, which is very important because you can request policies and you can put laws but at the end of the day, you need the right um, uh, power in order to have enough people to direct and derive them into the communities and countries and the different organizations along. Well, I know that this is just a small look into a very big event, but you know we have some unique perspectives here from different sides of the industry. And I'm curious, from the resolutions, from everything that came out of COP28, what are you most looking forward to seeing in the future for different countries or what is your biggest takeaway 
that you had from COP28 that you're looking forward to see in the future? Javier? After three times coming to this kind of conference, uh, I think that we can watch so important negotiation and agreements that are in a very high level that has to arrive and arrive with regulation in every country, every region in the world to the citizens and to the industries. To the industries, it's a bit easier because of the business of an industry, a business uh, to do. But for the citizens, they have to understand what is approved there and how is arriving this kind this kind of uh, agreement like three times more renewables that means uh, electric wires everywhere that means using a lot of land in your region for the renewables and a, a lot of more things like changing uh, modes of transport to be more efficient etc i mean in these high agreements that we can see there for me the most challenging thing is to try to arrive to the citizens to the society to try to teach what is going to happen in the next month or years and why is that being happening, uh, going to happen because of the agreements that we take in this conference. For me, this is the most. Samar? One of the more like the most impactful message I, I heard was from Germany when they said that they have met their goals. And honestly, what I'm looking for for the next COP is to see how many countries can come to COP and say, we have met the goals, we have helped X countries receive or achieve their goals. Because no matter how well these um, um, COP get organized or how many uh, documents are signed, MOUs are, uh, are committed for, we need to hear that we have done the target, we have reached a target, we have met the KPI. Because I think for me as a professional and for anybody who comes to COP, we want to see that we are progressing and we are reaching where we have uh, set our goals are. And reaching to be honest, like hearing Germany saying that we have definitely met our goals, that was a very, very nice message and, and, and key to see how well others can come to COP next year and say, and say, we have met our KPIs, we have met the goals. So this is what I'm looking for for the next COP. Cheyenne? I think my biggest takeaway is that there needs to be action and it needs to happen now. So training our incoming workforce. And I think that's also what I'm most excited for is uh, continuing to build uh, AEE's initiatives to work with our young energy professionals, uh, get them involved with their local chapters in their local communities. So taking everything that I learned at COP and really uh, applying it to our members and chapters around the world. Hisham? I, I think with the COP, we we have currently harmonized, I would say, the rules regarding energy, regarding climate. And I think each year, uh, a lot of countries, a lot of delegations, they discovered that physics, energy are the same, even, I would say, if the condition can be different. By, but I think the final objective is the same. So currently what happened, we have, I would say, worldwide rules. So each, I wish I, each year, a lot of countries will try to comply uh, with the, with the, with those rules, 
and we will create like a big community, worldwide community. It is what we are creating because as it was highlighted by Javier, uh, Europe, we have a pathway. In the Middle East, they have their pathway. In the United States, you have your pathway. But if we take time to exchange, to explore together, we can mix, I would say, our knowledge and work together in order to reach, I would say, a green planet and to, to reach the, the whole final uh, objectives. And that uh, it was, uh, uh, it was uh, highlighted by Samar. I think each year it will it will be like a competitions and hope uh, hope uh, I hope that it became like a challenge. We 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 talk about challenge on energy regarding buildings challenge building battles uh, and uh, so it will be cup battles but it will be green battles. So each year's. We can imagine something like that from Association of Energy to make a comparison or a benchmark of countries who reach uh, the objectives. And um, economy will also uh, win an attractive, I, I would say, uh, an, act, uh, an attractive support to improve the energy efficiency worldwide. So hope next year uh, in, uh, I would say, oil, comp oil countries, um, they they will show us that they are working to improve energy efficiency and to to create like a mix between oil, gas, and renewable energy. Because, in my opinion, we will not uh, it will not be uh, reasonable uh, to switch from oil to renewable energy in one day. So we have to talk step by step to introduce the the energy mix to train people in order to explore more and more of the lot of and the huge solutions existing worldwide. And this is the rule of, uh, this is one of our objective inside the associations. So next year we will be more present on our panels because to reach the objectives, we have to train people to explore with them a lot of opportunities. So let's see what happened next year. Good too. So like everyone said, I mean, seeing more success stories uh, would encourage the rest of the countries. I mean, if we link this to what we see in AE, especially at AE World, during the award ceremony, I mean, whenever you get to see someone receiving an award, you can you get really encouraged to do the same. You know, you get the energy, you know, I, oh, what can I do? Like I've seen this person who received this award, what he realized. So I can do more whenever I go back. And actually that, fuel us for the whole year till we go again to a world again. So success stories are important. And if there is a way where we can see some kind of a scoring system, like a dashboard where you can see how each country is uh, moving in its own way, and it can gauge itself if it's doing well or not. I'm not aware of such a scoring system, but they can do that. Uh, a topic that might be of importance would be behavior change. I mean, like, no matter how efficient we can, no matter how the good systems that we have, if we don't have a person who is well aware of the importance of what they're doing, they can run an, an efficient system in an inefficient way. So it's very important to focus on behavior changes. And if there are some programs like nudges and whatsoever that we can utilize in order to promote, um, you know, um, changing the behavior to achieve carbon neutrality. 
Um, the main takeaway message for COP, like Bill mentioned and all the others have mentioned, how important energy efficiency right now. This is our time. And I've been, we've been doing this for almost five decades. It's our time to soar. And I think right now we can use all our knowledge to help in our countries or in our region to move energy efficiency faster. And especially if we will need to double the rate of energy efficiency for the benefit of everyone. Bill. Thanks for two for that and Hisham. Certainly, I, I think I left COP um, motivated, inspired and very hopeful. Um, you know, I think um, the focus on energy efficiency, that was great to see um, that now it's front and center. Um, I think my biggest takeaway is now is the time call to action. Action is now. It's needed now. We must act. And I think that AEE members have been acting for almost five decades. They continue to be um, making a significant impact as they do energy efficiency programs and conservation measures. We are acting now every minute, every hour of every day, and we must continue. We must continue to expand that and bring others in, bring more into the workforce. We need to ensure that there's a just transition, but it's key for energy efficiency and the action now, the action must continue. And so if, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not an AE member, I invite you to come and join, join our global family, our global network of energy professionals. Where else can you join a group that is making impact right now and really having a significant contribution as we move towards a clean energy future? So, so come and join our family. The time for action and the call to action is now. We must have continued and more action if we're going to achieve our goals, and I'm confident that we will. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. This has been AE's Full of Energy podcast. We'll see you next month.